All right, here we go. So DIY and homebrewing. See if this works. Got to the next slide. Yep, looks good. All right. There All right, we go. Cool. Um, so who is this guy and why listen to him? Well, I'm I'm educated and went to the United States Merchant Marine Academy as a marine engineer, spent almost 10 years sailing as, in, as an engineer on various commercial ships and tugs. This means a lot of time finding creative solutions to problems. You know, there's no there's no parts store in the middle of the ocean. So you gotta you gotta fix the shit or float. <laughs> um, so this gave me a lot of creativity, building things and knowledge and confidence to actually do it. And, and uh, I'll be honest, the confidence is the most important part of that of that statement. You know, you gotta have confidence to to find stuff. You know, to actually take things apart and put it back together. Um, I've been brewing since 2014. Uh, my dad got me a one gallon kit for the Midwest Brewing Supplies and uh, and a how to brew and you know the rest, as they say, is history. But here we are. Uh, why DIY? Saves money, sometimes. Um, <laughs> especially if you don't consider your time worth any money. Uh, it's fun. Why buy the store-bought solution when you can spend hours solving problems on your own? You know? Uh, you understand how things work. I think that's that's the real reason. And I get a lot of pride when I, when I uh, you know, crank up my, uh, my electric system or, or run my glycol system. It's a lot of fun to, to use stuff that I made. Right, so we'll get into it. Glycol systems. The required parts uh, for a glycol system, you need a cooling medium. It's typically a water or glycol mixture. Um, something to chill the medium, an old fridge, AC window, uh, apparently an old humidifier. I didn't know that, but it makes sense. Because um, all you need to do is move heat from one place to another. And that's what a humidifier does. Um, pumps to move the medium, heat exchangers to remove heat from the beer, and controllers. Don't be afraid to modify something. As you can see, that I cut the hell out of that bucket right there, um, just so I get fit in my little fridge. Don't, don't be afraid to modify something if it doesn't quite fit. Cooling medium. Traditionally, glycol the mixture is used. Um, glycol lowers the freezing point of the mixture. Um, so the more glycol you have in your tank, the, the colder temps you can, you can maintain. Uh, this gives you a higher potential cooling. So that means you can um, crash faster, you can bring your temperatures down faster, you can do more fermenters, stuff like that. Also, the larger your tank, the larger your potential cooling as well. Um, but recently, I've been just I've just been using water. Glycol is expensive. Why bother? Um, How long does glycol last? Like the actual liquid itself? I I honestly don't know. Uh, last the last time I used glycol, it uh, I had it for like three, two, three years, and it was fine. Oh. Um, that sounds like a question for Google. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the chiller. This is the picture of my my little mini fridge. My um, father-in-law was throwing out this fridge. Uh, he's like, oh, all it does is chill. It doesn't it doesn't stop. I was like, well, that's what I need. <laughs> so I took it. <laughs> So look for things like that. You know, Facebook Marketplace is great. Um, Craigslist is great. Um, for my kegerator, my, my neighbor was throwing out an old freezer. I was like, I could use that. So got to free, you know, you got to find this stuff. Um, if you get a fridge, the little box freezer, basically what you do is you, you remove the four screws holding it up and you just drop it right in the tank. It's, it's super easy. That's, that's why I think the best way to do it is a little, little mini fridge. It's just fast, easy, and self-contained. Um, but I think an AC, you know, the AC window, 
a window AC requires a lot more finagling, a lot more modifying, but I think it's a better, um, it's probably a better product to probably get uh, faster cooling, but I, I don't have that experience. So I, I, I can't speak to that. Pumps. This is very simple. Um, it's just, I used to use like pond pumps, submerged pond pumps. They work great. They have to be controlled by a controller just on and off. Um, pretty simple. And heat exchangers. This is, you know, coils in your fermenter. This is a, a jacket around your fermenter. Um, things like that. Pretty, again, pretty simple. All right, controllers getting a little complicated. Again, the easy answer is to buy three or four ink birds and call it a day. Well, I, I'm not easy. Uh, so I, I basically bought this. It's called the, the brew blocks. You can buy it. If someone in Europe makes them, I think it's just like some guy in his garage or something. Um, it, you are able to control up to six uh, PID controllers. Uh, PID basically just means smoother temp regulation. Um, it uses algorithms to basically predict when to stop the pump and when to stop the heating. So it's um it's more accurate. It's it's uh it sometimes takes longer to, to crash, but it, it won't overshoot as much, which is kind of nice. Next. Here's the control box that I use. Um, as you can see, there's a picture of it, and then I made a little diagram if you want to take a look at that. But um the of course the brains is just one part of the controller. You need the actual mechanics and um, electronics to help control all your switches. So the parts required for the control box, you have ooh, laser point. You have the controller computer. You have the power source for the computer. You have relays, and you have the outlets for your pumps, and then you have your thermometers. And I like using an on-off switch, as you can see right there. Um, and then also, also note, these are the same parts for all control panels, essentially. You need something to control your relay to activate power to your, your pumps or whatever you're trying to start, which could include an electrical system, your uh, heating elements. Another fun part about DIY is making things better. As you can see, my Mark I was a gigantic mess. And then I, I got better. And then you can see right here, I got, I have, um, I piped all of my, my uh, water to the back. So it's a lot cleaner. It's fun improving things. All right, so that's it for glycol. Any questions? Uh, if you're doing some, do you do cold loggers? Uh -huh. How often does that pump run, and for how long when you're uh, when it turns on, it needs to cool? Depends on how uh, how cold you have your your glycol mixture. So if um, you're shooting for like a fifty degree uh -huh. Fahrenheit beer. Um, I mine I just dropped my alt down to fifty for like a week. It was kicking on. Uh, I believe it was like every ten minutes or so. Um, I could look in. I could look mm -hmm. in my program. I have it online. I could find out exactly what it was doing. Um, I don't know offhand, but yeah, like ten minutes or so. It's it's not as often as you think. It's not running constantly because the oh. water I have, the water I have in the tank is is um, 
roughly 36 to 40 degrees. So it, is it, it um, okay? Yeah. So so it it pipes that water in, and then it the PID is able to see all right, it's it's going down at this rate. I, if I stop the pump here, it will continue to go down because there's that chunk of water inside the coil still cooling the fermenter. And then it'll, it'll stop that and it'll let it go down. It'll, it'll overshoot a little bit. And mine, mine stays about within, it's, it's like a point of a, a tenth of a degree. It can keep it within. Oh, wow. That was my next question, actually. So that's yeah. good to know. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really nice system. I recommend it. It's expensive. I think it was like, it's like 130 for the, for the computer. And then you need to get a, um, a uh, Raspberry Pi to control the server because it's it's online only. You have to control it with the server. I, I can get more into that if you, if you want uh, some, and separately because um, it's it's rather complicated. You need to run a little bit of programming and but it's a lot of fun. I, I like that. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, could you just use an ink bird in like a thermal well and yeah. just use that to control your pump? Hundred percent. Okay. You could do that. That um, seems that seems more my speed. Yeah, it's very, it's, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's easy. That's the easy way. And as I said in the beginning, I don't like the easy way typically. So. <laughs> awesome. Kinda, Thank you. Yeah. Kind of related to that. Uh, do, how quickly do you uh, pump the glycol? I, I imagine you do it as slow as possible. I, I whatever the, the pump speed is, my, my computer will, will um, adjust as needed. Okay. Um, the issue with with the ink bird, it's just an on off switch, so it it'll it it sees all right, it's fifty degrees off, and then whatever that that liquid is inside your coil will drop it another two you know one to two degrees, mm -hmm. and then it'll come on and it'll be like all right, it's two one or two degrees above your your temperature. All right, kick it on again, and then it goes down one or two degrees, and so it does that. Mine still does that, but it's a lot tighter of a of a graph. See. So Interesting. Thanks. Yeah. Anything else? With the right. glycol mixture, um, does the if it's too much glycol, is there any viscosity issues with the pond pumps or I I don't imagine so. Okay. I'm just um, it's yeah, glycol is still it's just like syrup. I mean it's not I mean like warm syrup almost. So it's it's not like it's super viscous. So you can still pump it with that pump. It might it might pump oh. it slower. I wouldn't. I don't recommend using 100% glycol or even even that well, much. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even. I mean, even 10% a lot, honestly. I didn't know if it. Yeah. Depending on the percentage mixture, once it got down to temp, if it right. increased in viscosity or not. You now know. you'd have to get like 100% to really like notice a difference. And there's no reason to even go look, look in this graph here to even go above. I mean, look at that negative 60 degrees, 60 percent mixture. Yeah, I mean, keep it around. You know, there's 10 degrees, 20. I've seen 20, 25 percent. Um, I used to do like 15 ish. Um, but now I use zero, 100 percent uh, water and it, it works fine for me. Uh, I can ferment two fermenters at 60 degrees. Fine. I haven't had issues with that, um, but I have a large bath of water. I have like five gallons of water in my um, system. So that's, that's a lot. That's a large load of of uh, potential there. What's the? Yeah. I mean, I guess that would depend on your uh, your 
line length, but is, is water, so I, I'll answer my own question on that, but is water more efficient or is the glycol water mixture more efficient? Is there a reason to go glycol over water? The reason to go glycol over water is just to get, so you can have a lower temperature. Okay. Yeah. The, um, cause the lower your temperature, the faster you can cool and the more you can cool. Also glycol isn't a, doesn't freeze at 32. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's like, it's like antifreeze in your car. Oh, okay. It's exactly the same thing. Well, not exactly, but very similar. Pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Bar, yeah. Barring one, the one cost. Kill you, one won't. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Barring the cost of glycol, of course, have you noticed a cost difference between using all water and a glycol water solution? I mean, I don't buy glycol. I mean, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, uh, these, these are little these are little pond pumps. They're not they're not using much more energy. And then gotcha. the actual actual cooling of the the water bath, it, it's it's the same potential. You know, glycol might cost a little more because you have to get it colder, but that's about it. You're you're not it's not like the water takes it's harder to cool down it's 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 the the mass that it has to cool down not the the element that makes that sense makes, yeah that makes sense and scott okay. also asks if you uh use something like algicide in your glycol solution something to kill bad bad bugs um i i i'll put like a shot of uh bleach in with my water um and that that i've calculated that's about That'll get me with five gallons. That'll get me about um, a little over what you get out of the tap in your house. And that's just to really, yeah, kill all the bugs or whatever. Um, but don't use too much because too much will is corrosive to stainless. So don't go crazy with it. How often are you switching out that water bath? Uh, I've had this bath currently for about a year. I'm, I'm oh, thinking about geez. doing it soon. Wow. Think about doing well. I've kept it cold the whole time. I don't. I don't let it warm up. If I if I let it warm up, I would probably change it more often. But I keep it. I keep it around 30, 36. Um, just to honestly, it's just easier. <laughs> I don't have to think about it. All right. I'm, I'm very much. I'm very much not a think about stuff person. Until I want to. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next, anything else? All right, so only electrical. What's required? Um, your electrical elements, uh, obviously. Uh, tools to drill into the kettle, because that's a very important part. Um, outlets, preferably 220. Yeah, you'll see why in a little bit. Um, I'll show you the math. <laughs> and then wires, <laughs> obviously, uh, but there's a little more to that than, than just wires. And then your controller for your element. So um, first, we have uh, your electrical elements. Um, below is the equation to determine amperage load, but I gave you a little handy-dandy chart right here. Um, as you can see, 15 watts at 110 draws uh, 14 amps. But the same amount at 220 roughly is, is uh, 3,500 watts. So more than double the wattage for the same uh, voltage. So that's so. You get a lot more energy dump into your system for a lot less amperage. And the the higher your amperage in your system, the more expensive it costs. So, but also make sure your breaker size prior to buying. You know that's important, right? 
Next slide. Uh, electrical elements miscellaneous. Make sure you get a clamp to hold it into your your um, your kettle. And then um, this requires drilling into your kettle, obviously, like I said. Um, placement of in your kettle isn't super important. Personally, I think lower is better just for um, circulation purposes. Um, keep in mind, if you're going brewing a bag, uh, make sure you're, you protect your bag. This is what I do. I um, took a old big uh, colander, cut it up, and I protect the bag from the coils. It's worked for me so far. Other ways of doing is just raising your bag a little higher, which I didn't want to do. <laughs> so, cool. all right, tools. Now, um, you need a step drill bit. You need a step drill bit. You do not cut into stainless with a regular drill bit. Um, it'll it'll eat up your your bits, and because it's just sheet metal, it will tear up your sheet metal. These step drill bits are specifically designed for cutting into um, sheet metal. I recommend if, if you're getting a specific size to cut, um, to buy that size step bit. Um, it's just easier. You don't have to think about it. You just, just drill all the way till you get all the way through the thing. Um, sometimes with, with the, these, these bigger, fatter ones, it'll, um, you'll go you know, one step, two more without thinking, and then you're, then you're pretty much screwed. Um, a metal carbide saw, saw, hole saw bit. Um, that's to cut the, um, the hole for your elements. Uh, I say metal carbide because stainless is a very tough metal to drill through. So you need something tough to cut it with. Cutting oil. Always use some kind of cutting oil with stainless. It's a very hard metal to cut through. And it will, it will, you will go through bits. Believe me, I have. I, <laughs> I've broken multiple bits on small little pieces of stainless. Um, remember with stainless to always sand the, the uh, spelled hole wrong, the hole and passivate to prevent rust. That's very important because these, these bits are made out of, um, carbide or, or, um, other metals and they will rust. And because if, when they rust and they're sitting on your stainless, it will rust your stainless. That's, that's very important. Pass, sand it and passivate it. What's and your method holes, for passivation? I, I like using um, Barkeeper's Friend. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, don't use Barkeeper's Friend on like on the, um, or rather don't like like rub it on the uh, the markings in your kettle. It'll eat away your, your the markings just because it's it's polishing it away. Um, but it, it works great for for um, as far as I'm I've my experience. Oh. Um, I've I've heard citric acids another way. Um, and then, um, I've heard, uh, phosphoric acid too, as well. Don't you have but, to use like a stupid amount of citric acid to, to passivate? I thought it was like pounds of citric acid to passivate. I honestly, I don't know. Uh, I didn't look into it. Cause I said, I, I, you know, I heard, I heard, um, Barkeeper's friend works. So I was like, well, I got that already. Yeah. Uh, I think most of us probably do. Yeah. It's, it's a very useful thing to have in your brewery, but again, don't use it on, um, on uh like like right there on the stainless steel thing right there it, it'll rub that marking that ss brutex thing away if you if you aren't careful well, so just just be careful with around that but everywhere else it's fine 
And then when drilling holes, um, make sure to use a center punch. It's, um, it's very important because again, stainless is a hard metal to drill through. It will, and, it, and it's around, the kettles are round surfaces. So if you just start trying to drill, it'll, it'll walk away from your, your, where you want your hole. So the center punch, it helps you keep that nice and center, right where you want the hole to be. Next, outlets. First, uh, electrical is nothing to mess around with. If you aren't sure, don't open up your box. I mean, I, I, sh I show this picture. This is, this is actually what I did. I, I um, you see, I fed a wire all the way through to my outlet right there. Um, Maybe it's just it's, me, but I don't think the slide switched over for us. Could just yeah, be me. Yeah, it's an advance for me either. Same. We tried to share it all over again. <laughs> yeah, the cursor is still working, but. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> so weird. All right. Uh, ah. You see uh, outlet? Uh, improving. Right. <laughs> improving. Yep, there it is. Yep. It's on improving? Yeah. Maybe it's just one slide behind. <laughs> Maybe. I got, I got the yep. outlet picture. Now yep. you're back to tools. I haven't touched it. Oh. <laughs> I think the cursor's throw, throwing it off. Yeah, it's fine till then. I've been using it this whole time. If you guys I, uh go to everyone individually, go down to the bottom left of your team screen. Uh, you can control your his slides manually. Oh gosh. Okay. Nice. Thanks, Ivan. Yeah, see that? Awesome. <laughs> yep. That's that's actually kind of kind of cool. All yeah. right. That's weird. So um so here's my box i see the little gray wire right there that i fed i and then it, it got all the way through to my box right there um it's it's really not that complicated when you really like do your own research i'm not gonna like well my next slide i get a little more into it but i'm not gonna like super go into it because i don't want to be liable to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> but do your own research on your local building codes. Um, that's very important. Don't want to don't want to be the reason you start a fire. And I honestly, I followed YouTube. That it works for me. And then I I looked at my own codes, and it it works. Um, you can see my box, my breaker right down there, and the wires go all the way up to that gray. So it's it's really not as complicated as some people make it out. But again, if you're not confident, hire somebody. Is it advanced the slides for y'all? Yep, that worked. Yep. Quick and dirty house electrical. All right, you have three lines coming in from the power plant. You have two hots, your red and your black, and one neutral, your white. Uh, your neutral is, for all intents and purposes, ground. You can see it's it's bonded to ground right here. Um, in, in your box, and then I think in my box, the actual box itself is the ground. So it, it goes through that that way. Um, and then there's a spike driven into the ground. Literally, it's a metal spike that's driven into the ground. Um, and that's your quote unquote ground. Um, the difference between 110 and 220 is you have two, a 220 has two hot leads and 110 has one hot lead and one neutral lead. That's, that's the difference. That's it. 
That's why in your breaker box, uh, 220 breakers have two poles and 110 breakers have one pole. It needs to be stated again, if you aren't comfortable, do, don't do it. <laughs> this is a lot of voltage in here. Anytime you're, anytime you're opening up your breaker, your, your box, make sure you secure your main breaker, um, use insulated tools, be very mindful of where your hands and your tools are being placed. Just a little bit of safety there. But again, it's all about confidence. Wires, often underlooked, but very important still. Make sure you're using the correct wire gauge for the rated amperage. This is an example of my ship, my current ship right now. Um, they had a, a minor fire because um, the wires are rated for a, it's, it's, it's complicated, but they're not really quite rated right for the area. It's too hot down here in Florida. You know, you, you think the Navy would have thought that through, but, but they didn't. Any questions? Controller, I'm embarrassed to say I actually went commercial this time. Um, it was the same price as going um, as DIY and also the DIY, all the vendors were, out, were sold out. So I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll just buy a Brew Commander and call it a day. But here's my, my uh, Blickman Brew Commander. I opened it up for this, this thing. It's really simple. It's this, it's, if you go back to the controller page earlier, here's the computer, here's the relay, here's the outlet attached to the relay. And then you have your leads controlling the relay. It's, it's the same setup as, as that other, as the, um, as the other controller. It's very simple. It's a lot easier than you think. And the main difference between like a smaller electrical load and, and the, this uh, 220 um, main for your, um, for your heating element and your kettle is the, is the heat waste management. That's why the top of the Blickman Brew Commander is a huge heat sink. You can see it's, it's bolted right to the, to the aluminum right here. And it allows the heat to be dumped out of this uh, relay. All right, conclusion, confidence is, mo is more important than actual knowledge. Um, I say that, well, what I mean by that is you have the confidence to, to break stuff apart and the, and the ability to look stuff up. It's really important. Um, information can always be looked up, like I said. All right, get out there and make something, guys. <laughs> Any questions? I mean, have you have you found it to be a cost savings going DIY for your electrical setup versus some of the systems that are out there? Uh, yes, I do think so. Um, okay. I spent a hundred dollars on my element. I already had the kettle. I already had all the valves. Uh, only thing I needed to buy was the um, the element and the controller. So that was a total of so like five hundred. For the whole the whole system, and then I spent another hundred on um, wiring up my house. Awesome. So I, I I feel like it was pretty cheap. I mean, I already had I already had the kettle. I was like, I didn't want to you know buy a, a ready made system, and then I had this you know ten gallon kettle just sitting there, growing dust. 
And that's where I'm at right now. I, I considered briefly doing some sort of conversion on my cattle, but then I, yeah, I didn't have that confidence. So I figured if I'd screw it up once, then it's out. It's not going to be an electric yeah. system and it's not going to be a propane system anyways, with a big hole in the side of it. <laughs> yeah, just, just drill that hole. You got you to measure it and then you just get a center punch. Center punch is really important when drilling through stainless and cutting oil. And you can use like I would I don't recommend WD forty. Um, it's more that's more of a cleaning oil than a cutting oil. I I'd use like PB blaster or something like that. That that works. It's not the best. Mystery oil is the best cutting oil, or cutting oil. <clears throat> uh, or if you have a welding shop, hmm? if you have a welding shop, you can take your kettle in there and they'll they'll drill it out for you. I mean, probably forty fifty bucks, but then it's done right. Yeah. There's also, um, I don't know what they're called, um, but there are these uh, things that uh, basically drill a pilot hole and then it's, uh, they get screwed together and it basically, you yeah. just tighten it with a wrench and it, and it cuts like a super clean hole. Yeah, yeah I, I saw those. I almost got one, but but um, they, didn't have, they didn't have them on Bruce Hardware when I was buying all my stuff. So I was like, I'll just do, I'll just do the regular hole cutter. But yeah, this looks really interesting. Seemed to work really well. I I didn't use one when I did it, but um, mm. I saw some videos online and I was like, ah, oh, that would have been way easier. Yeah, St stainless is really tough to cut through. Yeah, I've broken many a drill bit. Who's? What is, uh, you have some questions about you know the the, the controllers. I, I mean, I guess that's one thing. I, when I was kind of looking, you know, I'm, I'm probably like a lot of people where I've, I've got the equipment, so it seems like it'd be you know cheap and easy, but it, it seems it seems weird that like for 500 bucks you get a all-in-one system that's got you know the heater the pot the controller the immersion chiller and then we start looking at controllers they're you know three four five hundred bucks just for a controller so what are there cheaper options or, or do you really need to spend like several hundred dollars just you know for a controller if, for if you actually system? like like built it out it, it probably would be pretty cheap I've i've seen the diy kits for like 300 uh the big cost honestly in those is is the um the casing for the for the box for the controller wow uh those those are i don't know why you could just make it but i wouldn't i wouldn't want to make it out of wood so i don't have a weld shop <laughs> yeah the, the blickman one what, what is that three four hundred dollars five hundred yeah like, like three like 450 i think 400 Scott, go for it if you got a question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, uh, Frank. This is great. Um, I don't know anything about any of this, so this is very, very informative. Um, I don't know if you have any aspirations of potentially speaking at NHC, but I think there might be three talks kind of hidden in in your presentation. Um, if, if I may, um, the first is like DIY temperature control and chilling systems. The second uh, is about glycol systems, because there's a lot of questions about what glycol is and how you use it and whatnot. Mm. And the third potentially is metallurgy. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you I don't know if you weld, but potentially, apparently that's a, an important skill or that you could potentially use for brewing. But um, 
anyway, just just me thinking out loud. Um, this is really great. Thanks. Nice. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I'm glad to to share my obsession with people. <laughs> and uh, we have a little bit of an in with Miss Julia Hurst. So when those uh those uh, slots open up to where you can apply for a talk, I'll make sure to to let you know, Frank, and we'll put in a good oh, word. Yeah. And we can have a TBC presence next year at NHC. If I if 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 they pay for it, I'll go. But I don't know if I want to <laughs> pay for the travel. <laughs> I might pay to get there. I don't know about the hotel though. That's a little more. In unrelated news, dues just doubled uh, this year. Oof. No, oh, no, I meant just uh, TBC dues. We gotta get Frank out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're paying for it. We're flying Frank out. <laughs> it will go for it. Uh, uh, I was going to say that to Brent's question, I would say one advantage, uh, the big advantage that I see having built my own system and then having an all one system, I would say the biggest advantage of building your own is that it's modular. And if something goes out on it, you can replace it. You know, like if your element burns up, you can right. buy a new element in an all in one. If it goes, it's pretty much done. Um, I see a lot on the Anvil site where they're you know, people are soaking their controllers and that's just it. That thing's pretty much toast after that. And, and honestly, but so and I, that, I mean, so I assume like the, the, the Anvil device must, I mean, they can't be paying more than 50 bucks for whatever controller they put in that <laughs> unit, right? Or 7,500, 100, clearly they're not spending $400 for the unit and, and selling everything else as a loss. I guess I'm, that's where I'm a little bit curious, like why, Standalone controllers are, you know, so expensive compared to, you know, you you can buy, you know, for for two hundred dollars, you can buy a cheap controller that's probably not, you know, pit controlled, fairly simple temperature control. But so I, I was wondering if there's you know, like cheaper options for, you know, controllers that uh, for an electric system. Clearly, you could just you know, have an on-off switch and and just it'd be like propane at that point. But I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't denounce the the PID more expensive PID controller. Quite, because because it's it's, and I know I said you could get the same job done with the, the ink birds, but having that ability to like for, to predict where it's gonna you know, um, stop where where to stop the element before it overshoots your temperatures is um, still very helpful. So spending a little bit more on controllers is nice. So cheaper ones probably are like you said just on off switches. I think up against uh, Will Allworth's point. The uh, the claw hammer controller that I have is completely modular, <clears throat> so I'm able to go through and replace. Really, if if a fuse blows, if anything blows on one of those, I can go out and swap it without going out and buying another four or five hundred dollar controller, which is really nice. So instead of instead of that huge expense, it's a two dollar fuse. I know a lot of those smaller built-in controllers, like on an a, a Anvil or a Bruzilla or something like that, that's uh yeah that thing's done and it's not really fixable it's kind of replaceable at that point the whole system right uh, that's kind of, that's another reason why i like uh diy's diying stuff is because a you know how it works like i said and if it breaks you know where to fix it and you can it's a lot cheaper to fix because you know you know oh this relay broke okay well this isn't this isn't quite switching on and off this this part now oh, this must be broken you know so you can you can troubleshoot things a lot easier if if you had your hands on it physically. 
Yeah, to, to Brent's point, mine was money doing what I do. To Brent's point, mine was kind of the same. When I was looking at, I had a, a 10 and a half uh, anvil I purchased, but it was the same thing. Once I was looking at my 10 gallon pot, it was like, okay, the element is 50 bucks. A controller, when you're looking online in a box ready to go, it's like 200, 250, anvil yeah. 499, ready to go. So that, that for me was like the no brainer because it's like, and then like you said, time is money. So it was like the time I'm going to spend doing this, drilling into my stainless mega pot. I was like, eh, I don't know about just collecting dust now. So, but yeah, I, I get what Brent's saying. And actually, I think Anvil actually on their newest release, they actually make it somewhat modular now where you can kind of actually replace that board that everybody was just letting warp drip down into. Mm -hmm. So. So I see the I see Clawhammer sells one sells at least 121 for uh, 220 bucks. That's not too bad for a yeah. Oh wow, controller. for a modular controller, that's yeah, really, that's really good. That's really good. I have the 120 controller. And you you built out the rest of your system, Will? For yeah, I was doing. Um, I just used a six gallon pot, and I built uh, kind of basically a way to make three gallon batches. <clears throat> on my stovetop so it was a 6500 watt element and the 120 controller and and if i wanted to i could supplement heat with the stove or i could just you know wherever i had a gfci plug i could just brew there but it worked really well it's wow. still i use it to see sous vide steaks and stuff now wow steve go for it buddy I uh, just wanted to say uh, with uh, converting over a pot from uh, propane over to electric even, you don't have to actually drill into the pot. I ended up doing mine with uh, the brew hardware, the hot rod. Yeah. And an element on there, I just, I can transfer from one pot to the other. Use one pot for uh, my strike water and uh, sparge water. Move the... Uh, move the element over into the boil pot then it makes it kind of portable also yeah is that up that's was, powerful enough to bring it up to like a full five gallon batch up to a boil barely it's a it's a 1500 amp oh, watt or watt watt oh really element. wow I had a, yeah yeah you can you can go up to mine's 220 and uh i think it's 4500 uh watt oh i didn't know it was a 220 that i got that's hooked cool. up into it yeah no, it, it's it's. I bought the hot rod. It, it hangs hangs over the pot and it's adjustable yeah. on the height. I, I, I have and, one. Uh, for, I wired my I, own. I, I have. I, I have a, my own that way. I, I have a 110 hot rod. I I used to use for heating up my strike <clears> water. Oh, okay. Uh, which I I love and I and I I'm gonna um eventually I have a, a 40 or 10 gallon cooler that I'm gonna turn into a mash tun so I can do double brews and i'm eventually going to use it for that but um i didn't know they had 220 that's pretty cool yeah that, that it's basically what just hangs over into the pot and I'm, then i just put it together myself but i picked up whatever element and uh the tri-clamp and, and ran my own wiring through it yeah. uh into the controller with the plug on the end so that's wow. a that's a way to avoid having a drill into your pot too not worrying about Am I going to screw it up bad, or <laughs> am I going to lose this, you know, two hundred dollar pot because of missed on the 
on a drill bit or it mangled the mangled it up going through. A lot of things can happen with sheet metal. Yeah, I what do you the, do? I think the hot rod was like seventy bucks and, and the element and everything once you start adding it all in. If, I think if by the time careful, I was done between the element. Huh? If you're careful with measuring and, and you get that center punch oh, yeah. and you get a good good it's it's not really that risky. Um because you know the measuring is the hardest part really. Because once you got the spot, right, you just thought... get that center punch in and, and it the <clears throat> drill bit will follow follow the uh the hollow pretty well. Oh um, yeah, that was a machinist in the past. Uh, but it was um, just drilling into a pot, it just kind of by hand, especially because I didn't yeah. have a machine to really, you know, get over it. it I was right. kind of hesitant and I just yeah, I was just kind of hesitant and I I just drilled a small holes for the um for the half inch uh temperature MPT uh yeah the ball valve and stuff. I just did the small ones. I didn't want to get into doing the big ones. So got on the brew hardware site and saw that um, kind of like accelerators hangover stuff. But I saw the hot rod and it's like, that makes it a whole lot easier. <laughs> so another option to go. And kind of yeah. like it makes it kind of portable too, where you can still use it as a propane or an electric if you, if you need to travel with it or go to a homebrew uh, shop for big brew day or something. Okay. Yeah, that's convenient. Yep. <coughs> getting off topic. Has anybody else uh, tapped their alt beer yet? Yeah. Mine is Mine's uh, going in. Nope. Kegging tomorrow. Nice. Yeah, mine's probably getting kicked Saturday. Oh, you're kicking it already. Oh, kegged. Okay, sorry. No, I no, I, <laughs> I, I realized no, what you no, said I'm after I'm I. Uh... <laughs> I'm gonna have to be brewing it again. The uh, hydrometer sample tasted pretty damn good, uh, so I'm excited for this one. This is the first alt beer I've brewed, and really, I have. I've only had like maybe two or three commercial examples so right i'm really looking forward to this one i'm, I'm a little worried mine uh i changed um my positioning in my on the mash bag and and i uh ended up with like a, like a one point like five percent higher abv so it's 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 really good but it's also like is this really an alt <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i went the other way i added way too much water and uh, uh I had some issues with my boil off and shit. I was trying to figure it out and I I didn't do a good job. So I ended up mine's like four point two, so mine's pretty light, but yeah, that's okay by me. I miss having okay. a configurator in my office. Hey <laughs> <laughs> <And> Jason. <laughs> it's in the garage, so uh I used to have it I used to have it like right there. I used to have a calculator right there. I would just go, you know, get up. <laughs> that would get me in trouble. That would get me in trouble during the work day. <laughs> so who's going to ask the pizza question? Pizza, pizza. What? Well, that's a Mr. Will Allworth's special question. 
Oh, what's that? Uh, if you were a pizza, Frank, what kind of pizza would you be? Uh, pepperoni, I guess. Favorite? I don't know. <laughs> I was uh I was talking to a a potential learned brewer the other day. I don't know if he's reached out to Alex or not. Um, and I was telling him about all the guests we've or uh, not a potential uh, learned brewer, just a brew club member. And I was telling him about all the guests we've had, and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of fun when we have these cool pseudo intimate meetings with with these big homebrew guys, and it's fun asking uh the king of homebrewing, John Palmer, what kind of pizza is going to be. Or what kind of pizza he would be? I was, he got got a kick out of that. <laughs> That's fun. I got a I got a good one for the uh, the uh, hopefully when Marshall does that podcast with the uh, where he asks the Patreon people to ask questions. Oh yeah, a, that's next I, next week. Yeah, I put a good one in there. Will Will messaged me about it. He's like, you and your questions. Did, did he? Did they actually read it? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do it or not. I don't think they recorded it yet, but. Oh, they recorded it. Your, your, your question's on there. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yes. I won't, I won't spoil it. <laughs> it's either very good or very bad. <laughs> we need, we need Alex right, to hilarious. get to me. Hey, what? Are, what? Uh, I missed that earlier. What did we? What was the deal on the glasses? Are we? Is there a form going up or something tonight? Yeah, let me repost it just in case someone joined late. Did you, where? Where are you putting it? Oh, just in the Teams chat. I don't know if people can view that if they're regular guests. I'm on my phone. I I couldn't get it. I didn't see anything in the chat. I didn't see it either. Oh, I tried what... to fill it out and it didn't. It's in there out. now. I see it. So I, I may wait until it's posted on Discord. You're gonna have to wait a whole twelve hours. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. Yeah, we'll get them posted up now, especially since the uh, the leadership, the test glasses, because I just I send out all my test shit to the leadership guys. Uh, everything made it so far, so. I, I think we're probably good just to send out the rest of it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. If you're here, you only get like a one hour uh, lead time on everyone else. Well, so long as everybody's getting refills. I know, right? Well, I wonder if we could get... Oh, go ahead. I saw your comment, Will. Of course I mentioned Tugs. I worked on Tugs for like like five years. All kinds of Tugs. They pushed and pulled. All the stuff. He was Will gone. He got a beer. (laughs) Hey, hey, Frank, I got one, one other comment about the the diy yeah on the electrical element on the pot i would say i saw like you had a tri-clamp a weldless tri-clamp i Mm. would rec highly recommend using one of those if somebody's going to modify their kettle i did not 
And every time I cleaned that thing, it was such a pain because I couldn't take the element off. And having it be a tri-clamp element would have been so much better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so just word to the wise if anybody decides to modify their kettle, use a wellless tri-clamp. What's the other way? I've only ever seen the, the tri-clamp. They have, Brew Hardware has like a. Oh, an NTP, really? Like, yeah, like a, oh. it's like a hot pot or something. Shit. Yeah, it's just like a, just a weldless nut. And just permanently, well, not permanently, but, you know. I, I think, I think you turned me on to Brew's Hardware, well, because I, I bought a bunch of like fittings and stuff from them. They got some really cool fittings. I, um. It's good quality, too. Yeah. I, I um I basically jury rigged my uh, calculator to to be able to do all of the uh, the lines at once to clean them with just fittings from them. It's pretty sweet. Highly yeah, recommend they, Brewers Hardware. Yeah, they got they got good stuff. Oh yeah, that's why I got all Customer of my stuff. service is good. Yeah, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Um, I will say I I if you're gonna buy Blickman, buy from their website. You don't have to pay taxes. Wow, um, really? Stuff on the website. I I'm assuming because they're the manufacturer, they have already paid taxes on the on the parts. <clears throat> um, <laughs> it wasn't, you know, I saved a lot of money when I bought my my uh, my commander, but my brew commander from them because you know, what what seven percent of of uh, of four hundred dollars is still a good amount, a good chunk of change there. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. So if you're gonna buy Blickman, buy it from the website. Good tip. Yeah. I've been eyeing up the uh, brew hardware um, whirlpool arm because uh, the apartment brewer I know has been doing that just so he doesn't have to use a a hop spider. I I recently switched. I was doing immersion chilling with the claw hammer, and now I I went back to the plate chiller just so I don't have to move the system around. And I'm looking at that whirlpool arm, and they have a they have a pretty sweet setup on. Brew hardware. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I will soon. Highly, highly recommend the Whirlpool arm. Really? Oh yeah, I've been using it for years. It's it's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Are you? I have a Kegel too, so that the domed bottom combined with the Whirlpool arm, and so I have my my um, wart out ball valve. I have a ninety degree coming in facing the opposite direction so i'll suck my input from the opposite direction of the whirlpool arm and i can get some super like tight hop cones wow how do, how do you rack out of a keggle just uh, i've got I'm just the normal you know i drilled my when i i bought one from some guy years ago drilled my hole in just like you do a regular pot and then you it came. I bought the equipment from Brew Hardware, and it yeah. came with a um, like an arm that goes into the center of the kettle, but that never worked for me. So I ended up just getting you know one of their millions of different you know fittings and stuff like that, and I just have like a ninety degree barb that goes in. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I have awesome. a um, I have a little fitting that is essentially just like a cap with a hole drilled on the side i mean it's, it's fancier than that that's essentially what it does so it just yeah. pushes the water around it, i get pretty good hop cones too um 
That's what I was gonna ask, Haven. Are you talking about the their whirlpool arm? It's just like a just like a piece of metal with a hole on it, or like an I, actual arm. It's like uh, it's kind of like the hangover, so it hangs over the side of the kettle, and then it goes all the way to the bottom, and has like a forty-five degree kink in it that when you're pumping work through that, it'll push the whirlpool from the bottom. Uh, I know Clawhammer just came out with one, and it's like fifty bucks. And then the brew heart or the yeah the brewers harbor one is like twenty three or something like that. So I'm like, well shit, this wow, it's this it's the same thing going from brew hardware. So I'm just gonna do that. And I don't know if it's good enough <clears> for the apartment <throat> brewer. It's good enough for me. Yeah, that's much cheaper than I expected. Clawhammer, I their their customer service is top notch. They've sent me one of the element issues was their fault, but I think the other one was mine. But they've replaced it both times. And uh, huh. they've been they've been top notch. Emmett's great over there. I want one so bad. <laughs> their their first the first element that showed up was uh, the connectors on on the actual element where I had to wire it myself. weren't even connected. They were just dangling there. So I had to uh, I had to reach out like the day after I got the controller and like oh shit I need a replacement already. <laughs> they were nice about it. That was super awesome. All right, I need yeah, I need you to answer Will's question, Frank. <laughs> you don't have I to read did. it though. As many as you want. <laughs> <laughs> depends, <laughs> on what, depends, on, depends on what you're tugging. Just line them up, huh? Yeah, just line them up. But on a serious note, the the bigger tugs had eight people and the smaller tugs had four. <laughs> hmm. So what do you actually do? Are you like on a base and you're just like working maintenance or do you Currently, go out and sail still? Um, so I, I am the port engineer for the USS Jason Dunham. So that means I may, I manage all of their maintenance. So occasionally I'll go out, I'll go out to sea with them and, and you know, hang out with the sailors and talk. But most of my job right now is just planning, planning maintenance uh, work. Big shipyard, small little maintenance periods. You know, something breaks, they call me. I I call somebody else to fix it. <laughs> I really miss working on ships, though. I love I love fixing stuff on ships. So is that ship sailing across the sea, or is that usually like around the U.S. and in our waters, or what? It like how far Jason is it going? Dunham? Yeah. Jason Dunham. Currently, they're off doing circles off the coast of Florida um, to align their combat systems. But you know, it's a destroyer. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's the the, the uh, DDG one hundred and nine is uh, the number. Wow. And mm. I am the the sole uh, person. Uh, I I I basically I'm basically money bags. I'm, I'm the one that funds all the maintenance uh, for the ship. So I mean, if you I, come down I, to Jacksonville, you can give us a tour of the ship if it's in port, right? Oh, probably not. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have a security clearance? <laughs> I mean, we could probably figure that out. Uh, I could probably get you on base. I don't know if I get you on the ship. I might be. I, you know, I might be able to talk to the captain if if if, you, if anyone's real serious about it. I can talk to the captain. There you go. We'll send Jason up. He's close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get us the details, and we can. 
then we can uh, get our own brew club ship and just sail around and brew beer. Man, we're drunk. really leaning hard on this like communist manifesto stuff, aren't we? <laughs> Tax evasion. I, uh, I, I worked reduced. on a I worked on a ship where the second engineer um uh stole a bunch of copper and and sheet metal from the the engine room and made a still in his room and then stole oh. apples from the galley and fermented them and made hard <laughs> hard hard cider <laughs> in his in his room. <laughs> oh my god! It was it was that, like it was Frank, awful. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. That's great. There. Saying something, Ed. Frank. Is that Ed? Hello. Yes. Did he not hear us? No, he can't hear us. Hmm. That's a chain. It doesn't seem like the chat's available for everybody. Oh, shoot. Yeah, probably. Why would that be? Uh, mobile or guest users <clears throat> sometimes don't have access, just depending on how they access the meeting. Hmm. I, think, I, think I can get to it on mobile, but I mean, it's a pain in the butt to get to. Oh. That's probably because you're logged in the appropriate way. I'm... I'm not. I just hope Teams works every time I try to get in. You should be able to like actually make like a um, phone conference too. People want just to like dial in that way, make it like a real super, really legit. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to pay for that, you certainly can. Is that, is that an extra cost? I thought that was just part of. Uh, they may have added it. It used to be you had to buy a license for that, and it was it wasn't like much. It was like a buck fifty or something a month. But you know, hey man, uh, we're giving you guys glasses, not effing teens college plans. Jeez. Well, yeah, no, no kidding. I, 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 I'm used to like that big government uh, team system, so I don't know. <laughs> Everybody has to use a landline. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> well. Well, if we had a 501c3, we could get a bunch of nonprofit stuff, and then we could really pimp it out with nonprofit pricing. But, you know, that's that's a different problem. Yeah, sure. I, don't how, I don't know how we would be a nonprofit providing beer to all multiple states across the country. Well, we're if the that. NFL could be a nonprofit, so could the brew club. That's all I want to say. <laughs> that's a fair oh my point. God, wait, the NFL's nonprofit? <laughs> that's his Mayo Clinic. That is, that is a... What? Misleading statement. <laughs> Mayo Clinic owns a town and they're a nonprofit. Wow. But I mean, I think we can make an argument that this is educational and that leadership isn't uh, running away with a bunch of money. I, th I think we'd have to change our name to the board of directors, wouldn't we, if it was a nonprofit? Yeah, it's not worth it. I like leadership overlords a lot better, but the IRS doesn't recognize that. <laughs> well, haven't you learned anything? If you listen to the podcast this week, is that you know all the Brulosity contributors are filthy rich and fortunes going to the Bahamas? Can confirm. That's what I got well, out of it. Well, you're rich just just because you don't spend money on on yeast and grain and hops. <laughs> all that money that you you're just saving so much money. <laughs> That you're rich. Yeah, but but then I have to brew a Blondale for the hundredth fucking time. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you spend your most of your early twenties volunteering at a brewery, you can get a free bag of grain every now and then. 
Oh, I guess that's the final step that I have to do. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> still got to do grain. I, I still have to grow the balls like, to go to my local brewery and just be like, hey. <laughs> hey, if you volunteer to operate the canning line, I'm pretty sure they'll just give you whatever you want because I've done yeah. that and they, that's what happens. The problem, problem with that is, right. is it assumes I have time. True. Do you have a local club, Frank? Is there one local uh, to you? I I do have a local club. I just haven't I haven't joined it yet. So I'm only saying that because like with our local club, I got inroads and to uh, chat with uh, um, some of the local breweries here. And so um, one of the bigger breweries in town, Freetail, like I, I got a guy there that I can just email and say, hey, can I buy this off your brewery? And and he's open to it. Um, it's yeah. just I don't need to. Yeah, I literally got a text about that 12 minutes ago myself. <laughs> Same. I uh, I have a local one that's right next to my work, and I know the brewer. I've brewed with him, and we share beers quite often. That he'll uh, he'll always take a couple extra sacks onto his order for me, and I got floor malted full pills from Vireman for my last order, which is a couple months ago. The price went up. I think I got it for $33 for 50 oh, Damn, man. You son of a just, bitch. Wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was... Seven, I just spent like $75 on my last <laughs> my last batch of, of, uh, of pills. Oh, man. Hey, hey, why don't you just take your sacks over to Frank's tub? They're, oh, my <laughs> gosh, yes. If, if he can promise me a, uh, a tour of the tug, then I'll bring my sacks on over there. <laughs> Don't forget your package. I, honestly, it's probably harder to get you on on a, a commercial tug than it would be on on the the Navy destroyer. If I'm what? being honest. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were gonna say it'd be a lot easier to get him on than get him off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of I mean, semen. I, yeah, you know, hey, it's it's not gay, but it's underway. You gotta get out <laughs> to sea first. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, Ed said his club is. <laughs> yeah, I think Alex talked to one of his lawyer banker friends. I don't remember about right. turning us into a five hundred one c three, and it's like, what was it, Alex? Six hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, that's how much all the paperwork and whatnot would be. Uh, so we'd be able to get like a legit organized. We'd have to file taxes and stuff like that, but we could do. A lot more we could do merch with like not that we're looking to make profit but profit for the actual club we could do stuff like that right now we have to be pretty careful with what we're doing uh just so we don't get yelled at by the three-letter agency that scares me so <laughs> yeah make sure we're not getting money from right now from anyone who's not a uh, part of the club paying club oh. yeah that's the big thing is we can't charge you're not a learned brewer. We we can't take your money. Hmm. Allegedly. Hmm. Yeah, supposedly. But we'll we'll see. I don't know if that's something we decide to do in the future. If this club keeps going somewhere and yeah. we we keep growing, I don't I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with that. Maybe something I prefer, to. I prefer more of the free shit. To be honest, the merch that we already get. <laughs> it's, stickers. it's uh i honestly i'm still shocked that everyone is still supporting us in the way they do 
uh, cause just with the state of homebrewing, that's tough out there. But I mean, Brian offered to send even more boxes of yeast to me that I, I, I don't even know what to do with. So I have to talk to him about that, that we'll just get some random yeast, not even average brew yeast. I mean, Imperial's been super generous. We're trying to work with Brian's got a couple of calls out to some homebrew shops to see if they want to uh, partner with us on average brews. And I, I mean, it's it's amazing. So hopefully that pushes some value back into those shops and this we can turn this hobby around. That's cool. One reason to maybe be a nonprofit as well is that these kinds of organizations too, you know, could help us out and get a little tax deduction as well. So I, I'm not sure uh, at what point we break even though paying like 700 bucks. Yeah, that'd be the tough part, but it's a thought. Yeah, only have to do it once, though. That's true. So that's just a one-time fee for the paperwork to register as a 501c3? Yeah, that's right. So maybe we'd, you know, ask. I think we'd have to get a Texas tax number. Yeah, that's correct. And then we'd have like an EIN, and we'd also have to get a 501c3. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd be willing to, like, put into a bucket for that is it something we could do like a um uh like a gofundme for yeah that's what i'm saying yeah the... yeah it doesn't really matter how we would get the money frankly yeah i mean i'd i'd throw in the only oh. uh the only thing we'd really have to consider on our end is how we're gonna file that those taxes it's so weird i know the we were looking at different uh tax statuses for clubs and organizations yeah. And we're so unique in that we don't have a home base and we're all over the country. So like if I want, if we wanted to file this with me, then the club would be filed in Wisconsin. The 501c3 would be filed in Wisconsin. So someone would have to file Wisconsin taxes every year, even if I stepped away. So that's, that's right. the weird part is that we got to figure out well, what to do with we're that. We're unique for a home club, but like there are other nonprofits out there like Children's Hunger Fund and everything else that are like all over the place. So we're not like the first to well it it, it would have to sh it would have to shift from being a nonprofit in that sense of being an educational tool rather than being like a quote unquote club cuz it's not like we're currently uh you know funding cancer research or something uh we're getting people glassware and whatnot. Well, I am the epitome of that in education here sir. Yeah. <laughs> which that's so. also why we considered be, uh filing as a religion uh that was yeah. a that was a wow. brief halfway serious one too uh but we didn't fit one of the criteria so well, which one we can we can change I, I, fit, I don't know we looked no, at we, that right we, we, we technically would fit them all as long as we have a ritual that we do at the beginning of every meeting oh um, that's super easy to drinking do. beer <laughs> right, I mean, it can be yeah no literally it can just be something like everybody just says like a one word greeting or is doing the same thing like drinking a beer or something that, yeah and and with you to beer <laughs> just say cheers loud every time we get together there we go that's funny i was i was part of a club in tampa that um that had like a whole like chant prior to every meeting it might have been a Oh my I, gosh! I, I'm wondering if they, I'm wondering if they like they filed as a religion. That's funny. We could be the brew cult. Uh, 
We, we yeah. also, we That's also. called a cult, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Frank <laughs> accidentally joined the cult. Cult off. The, <laughs> the acronym's the same, so it's fine. But no, it, it, we'd also have to have a uh, text that we all reference and that we all have uh, free access to. Uh, John Palmer's How to Brew. How to brew. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, what? <laughs> the joy of homebrewing. <laughs> Someone I, write a book, we'll do that. There's plenty of books too that have already written, been written. There you go. Chris <laughs> Colby would give us access. John the Palmer is in manifesto. Yeah. Oh Jesus. <laughs> it, it is actually doable. We just have to, you know, do it pretty tongue in cheek. But uh, from what I talked to with a few friends that do banking and stuff, they're like, no, people just do really stupid shit all the time. Just file the paperwork and it's not an issue that's funny we're we're too small of a problem on the irs's radar to do anything i'm sure so well, yeah did, did right. you see the um the john oliver bit where he like created a religion yeah exactly it's, it's, it's like easy what, what do they call it the religion of perpetual something it was stupid but like hilarious <laughs> well, we got options we got yeah. We got things uh, to think. Our Lady of Perpetual Exemption. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just deleted that they pay taxes and they could get like donations from people. <laughs> and they got so much shit. Yeah. One, one thing we'd potentially have to do is make it so that uh, we do something for the public, uh, which could literally just be as simple as recording meetings or something each month, but. It would have to be something that isn't just purely uh, to the benefit of learned brewers. That's what that's, I think we could do fundraisers. We've already done a fundraiser for like a nonprofit, right? So yeah, exactly. Easy yeah, enough. Or the podcast that counts, right? <laughs> the, the Brew so, Cult podcast. Yeah, that's what we could call it. <laughs> so, um, so uh, we uh, do all of our meetings for the service areas at the Shriners Auditorium, and little mm-hmm. known. To me, before I started going there, hang out with Shriners, every shrine actually has their own brew club inside of it. So, essentially, they're doing fundraisers to fund their brew club plus children's transportation. So we could just (laughs) have a side gig of like, you know, we we we're funding our club plus pints for prostates is who we're donating to all the time. Wow, that's I've seen their like cheesy commercials on TV. And I always thought it was kind of, I don't know if it's like a scam or something like that, but that's pretty damn cool. Dude, Russ is awesome and he's fun to drink with, but like, you know, but like the whole thing is just funding transportation to get kids to hospitals. And the only reason we're, we meet there for free, but we also fundraise with them as the serviceros. And so they're like, as long as the serviceros help them make money to send children to hospitals, they're happy to have us every month. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. a pretty damn good deal. Interesting. <laughs> so yeah, something, yep. to th- something to think about if we still have, uh, I don't know, 60 plus people next year. Uh, that's true. What? Reason, I don't see any reason why Indy Lernberg wouldn't continue. It's such a benefit. Maybe you guys are just a vocal minority. I mean, I've had to <laughs> $25 worth of fun. Yeah. And, and just in yeast alone. Uh, oh, yeah. Not to mention, you know, all that. 
Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a huge benefit, and I don't I never want to count on that continuing year after no. year. Just God forbid budgets change for all those companies. But I I I have never once been told no by Brian. I've I've asked some pretty ridiculous stuff too, and he's never told me no. Uh, so I I feel like that'll if I if anything more, that'll continue. I would love to do more like more collaborations with him. I, I love like you know doing doing Nova yeast and then having like giving back feedback and stuff. And then they're actually using that for their their manufacturing process. That's pretty cool. I would so love I to actually, do more stuff like that. Oh so, crap! <laughs> we did uh like a whole write up of our Nova versus diamond um data that we put together and we didn't have a ton of comparison we had probably i mean we had like 40 data points on nova but we only had like 13 on diamond so it wasn't a great comparison between the two um but the data that we did get for nova was awesome and they loved it i actually had a conversation with one of their lab techs about it so brian sent it over to their lab tech and then he wanted to set up a meeting with me to walk through everything so it was it was interesting. They thought the attenuation and the uh, flocculation that we saw was way different than what they were seeing on their end. So they they kind of revisited. They were going to revisit yeah. that. At least that's what he said. Um, that's awesome. I love that's that. What, yeah. what was interesting yeah. about the flocculation? Because uh, Brian said, I know when Brian said originally in that meeting that we had with him in, I don't know, January or February, that yeah. it it takes a lot. It's powdery, so it doesn't it doesn't flock really well well shit that was one of the clearest beers i've ever made was at west oh, coast yeah, Hills. that's true me too and, and I, i've i've brewed it four times now and it's it is by the end of the keg it's it's like looking through a glass almost yeah it's like yeah. pub level yeah. clarity yeah i mean i i I, yeah. I do my best to, you know to to clarify it with with uh um Brutan and Warflock and um, gelatin because I want <laughs> I want that to be a clear beer because that's that's the half the fun in a pilsner. Um, <laughs> but yeah, by the end the yeah. keg is just like it's just crystal clear. I found that it hangs around for a little bit, like a week or two, if you put yeah. gelatin. But yeah. after that, yeah, it's crystal. Yeah, yeah, it it drops, and they apparently did not see that very often in their trials. Uh, but they didn't trial much on a homebrew scale. They trialed a lot on commercial scales. So mm -hmm. once we got that data, and we we sent that a little late, and there was there was data already running in because they had released it commercially. Uh, we were the first club to get a box of Nova That's once it came point. into the country. That the first box that was sent out to a club was sent to us, which is really damn cool. That's cool. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, they're apparently revisiting that. So that was, I haven't heard back or anything and I don't expect to about I, I what they're finding. Yeah. I think it'd be really cool if we did like, a, like I said, a collaboration with them where we, you know, got a, like a, a yeast or something. It doesn't have to be like experimental, but like talked with one of their, with one of their researchers or one of their scientists in, in, a, in a meeting like this. And then it talks about results of, of the a beer we made with them. I think that'd be really like, cool uh mm -hmm. idea and, and for them I, I would hope you know give them the benefit of having you know what would you say we had 12 of the diamond and 40 of the nova uh, that, that's that's yeah. a significant amount of people oh yeah it plus, uh yeah yeah go ahead alex oh yeah plus we i don't know if that got sent in but i think we had like two or three people also do kind of a uh, small scale but kind of brewlosophy style triangle test as well Yes, the uh, the triangle test did get sent in, 
and um it it was yeah i think it was only a couple and there were only a few data points on that but people yeah they they took some interest in it they wish we had more on that and yeah. I mean, that's not not much we can control on our end but uh i i forget what the results were i think they were pretty varied that people couldn't really tell the difference Interesting. Uh, I, had, yeah. I had trouble uh telling between the two when i had them like in small samples but like when i had like a pint versus another pint i'd be like oh this one's way better you know the nova was way better <laughs> I, mean, I ended up doing you know my experiment or whatever but it was a little bit flawed in the sense of i only let them ferment for three days uh just <laughs> <laughs> and uh the diamond one was just straight up just like gobbling butter uh and uh yeah. but but the nova one just had zero off flavors in it in three days of fermenting i, I mean, can I, tell I, the I, had, difference. I had the diamond go up to 90 so i mean jeez <laughs> Data. I could uh I could taste the difference fresh, but as they aged, I think as that diamond dropped out, that diamond just has a weird flavor when it's yeah. fresh. So once that dropped out, I mean both were just incredible, and I couldn't I couldn't tell the difference. Uh, yes. But I guess as we're on this topic and as we're talking kind of about doing some more stuff with Lalamond, so what we're thinking for the next average brew. Is I know oh, yeah. we've we've had a couple of you guys talk about shortening that that style survey because we always put a ton of options on there. Uh, so Marshall and the guys gave some suggestions at the last on the last uh, Average Brew podcast episode of some styles they'd want to see. So I think we're <laughs> gonna do just those in a survey. So fruited sour or sour Berliner Weiss, uh, porter, or what was the last hazy IPA. And then I think just for shits and giggles, just for fun, we were going to throw American Light Lager on there for Jersey and uh, just vote on those four styles. If Sour gets voted in and we're going to do a Sour, I'd ask Lalaman for both Sour VCA and Philly Sour so we could do a comparison between Ooh. the two. Because I think I that think would be... I think you're trying fun. to sway the results here, Haven. I mean, yeah, <laughs> for yeah, for the 11 people that are on here, we're going to sway it. <laughs> Uh, but I, I know Brian's excited to send out some sour VCA to us eventually. Awesome. Who has used both, and what are your experiences? I've only used a Philly sour and like a like a two and a half gallon, and and pH dropped to like close to three. So for like a one satchel, but I heard that like on you know five gallon batch, it really doesn't quite get there. Yeah, I've only ever used Saravisi. I've used it a really? lot, but uh, haven't used Philly yet, though. I've used, I've only used Philly. I I like Philly. It's um, especially if you give it like if you want the sourness, the way you control it, according to the one podcast, the Brew Labs thing, is you give it a lot of like simple sugars first. Yeah, I want to do an want, experiment like, on that sometime. Yeah, I uh, I heard the same thing. Is that I've only used Philly. Uh, but I had I had an opposite, um, or no, the same uh, outcome as Jason, is that I, I fed it a shit ton of simple sugar and heard it was going to kind of struggle to ferment. So I, w I was planning on co-pitching it. Well, I pitched that Philly Sour into the, I think it was a five-gallon batch, and it dried that sucker out. That thing, it took so much back sweetening to get it, like, even palatable. And uh, yeah. it was, I mean, it was so acidic. Yeah. But, uh... 
I have a sachet of sour VCA here that I plan on doing pretty soon. It's, that it's awesome. I'm excited. So I was reading yeah. some article. Someone put out a comparison between the two, and they said sour VCA is almost like too clean, especially for a fruited sour. Is that uh, it, your it, experience? It's, yeah, it's just straight up. Uh, I mean, it just tastes like USO5, except with a really clean lactic flavor, which it might literally just be that. Um, I've, I've, yeah, I've never had a such a, a clean yeast i think uh, minus the sour aspect of course which I'd, I'd almost think that'd be beneficial to a fruited sour let those I, thought, I think shine. so yeah no I've, I've i've had a lot of really great comments in my local club about uh any gozas berliner vices whatever that i've made with sour vicier without have, before people find out what it is you have a local club that you're cheating on us with uh that I used to go to two and a half years ago. Oh, okay. That, that's <laughs> got <laughs> got early access to Sarah Vissier. <laughs> I suppose we'll forgive you then. Uh-huh. Definitely not. Uh, leadership in that club too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of our uh, our thought for quarter four. Is just, uh, I mean, if hazy ipa gets picked then that's probably the most uh, beneficial time of the year to ship hazy ipa so that would kind of be yeah. good for us my good only thing them. i would add my only thing i would add is is a, a style that we all know that they don't like i'd like just one just one Sm- a smoked one yeah i still i still stand by us making a, a smoked hefeweizen called fire marshall Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yes. I, it's such a good name. We have to do that. Sorry, guys. I hate Someone... smoked beer too, but hey, you got to go by the name. Or, ha- or jalapeno beer. Have the same we... name. That See how confirmed? hot we can get a, a uh, how yeah. spicy we can get a beer. Everybody, yeah, just let everybody do whatever hot pepper they want would be an interesting show. You know what's actually really oh good? I, I had a. I had a someone in the club I was used to be in. He made every year he made a smoked um, Carolina Reaper stout that was mm-hmm. really good. So something about that because I don't like smoked beer, but something about like the Reaper and the smoke like went together really well. So yeah. just suggestions. Yeah, I had one of those at Homebrew Con, and it was it was really good. Yeah, if it's done right, you know, it can't be like overpowering. Yeah, definitely had some very bad pepper beers in the past. Are they still combining? Are they still combining HomebrewCon with uh, GABF? Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. What's everybody's thoughts on that? There, were, I did not know anybody at HomebrewCon that was happy about it. <laughs> yeah, seems like be? a terrible idea. Yeah. Cost-saving uh, measure first. No, just saving. The, the the hobby is not doing well, so I I get it. I'm not happy about it. But I haven't been a member of of uh, and you know. American yeah. Homebrew Association in a while, so. The, the part I was most annoyed about, at least with people I was chatting with that were uh, on the board, is that they were thinking about getting club night because uh, what's the point of having all the drinking at G- GABF and a, a club night with more drinking? Yeah, it's like the highlight <laughs> of, I mean, exactly. NHC that's is pretty whole, big. But... That's the whole point. <laughs> And they're like, we'll do GABF with a few home, how to homebrew seminars, and then and no, then we'll be, that's, yeah. yeah. Are, are they still gonna like move it around? Or is, it, is it always just gonna be in Denver now? Just Denver. 
No way. Um, hey, guess, what? guess who's never going as homebrew? Con yeah, yet? exactly. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great way to get more people in. <laughs> uh, you're robbing these cities of like, you know, revenue and and interest. And yeah. That's. I, I, I might have gone if we came back to Tampa or something like that, but. I, yeah, the South I, I'm not hasn't had it in forever. Yeah. Well, they had, they was, had Nashville. <laughs> We're not I was really exactly, hoping they would uh, go to Asheville. Inclusive. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I might, I might, I might pay for that one, that trip. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Nashville got screwed out of homebrew con in 2020. Yeah. The Midwest hasn't seen a homebrew con in quite some time. I'd be. Yeah. I guess Minneapolis got it. Ten years ago, I think 2008 or something. To imagine uh, Wisconsin hasn't had it in ever. Uh, Milwaukee wild. had it in the 90s. Okay. Because I I think I looked past the uh on the past locations, but yeah, only once. Which that's I mean, that's wild. a pipe. That's a pipe dream. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, for some reason, I always think of Wisconsin when I think of uh, home brewing, but just because the beer scene there. It's it's all bush light. Even I I struggle really? to give away my beer around my my town. My town's like four thousand people in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but yeah. shit, even my neighbor is like, yeah, he just he drinks bush light. That's, oh. that's all they want. It's weird. Yeah, you can get thirty of them for sixteen dollars. So it, yeah, it's true. I mean, Spotted Cow has opened up some people, but then they don't go past that. So that's true. Yeah. So do you think the whole like the decline in homebrewing has is it just trending down with craft beer or like it's just like in tandem? Oh, I I certainly think so. I mean, if you look at all these breweries and even listening to like the craft beer and brewing podcast, uh, it's it seems like a lot of them are struggling, and that's why you're seeing these canned cocktails, seltzers, all that stuff. I don't know yeah. if it's health consciousness or or what's going on but yeah we've had probably down in georgia in the past year and some change we've probably had four or five shut down at least probably more actually and and you knew that market would flip eventually i mean that it had to it at at the rate it was growing but yeah it still sucks to see and there might be a rebound with homebrewing because i've I've certainly known a good number of people that talked about uh getting out of home brewing because they feel like there's plenty of craft beer that they can buy that they think is better than what they can make which you know i disagree with that but i guess that's why i'm still here <laughs> but yeah i mean if um, all you want to buy so, is ipa right <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah i don't know so so one thing i would say um just throw it out there is that there is a large number of like health conscious. Right. There's a large number of health conscious people that are out there. So like millennials and Gen Z don't drink as much as like Gen X and. Goddamn uh, millennials ruining everything. Hey now. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Haven. Hey, I don't know how uh, to party. So some I of it is health. Some of some of it's just um, again. There's so much diversity and variety out there that beer is not the thing um i think beer is having a trouble because it's been like traditionally like a masculine drink and so it's trying to find a new home with and, you know being more appealing to more people but it's just and, uh and, but and everybody's kind of, down you know, and and home diy projects are all trending down as well kind of do-it-yourself stuff at home really 
Yeah, just uh, there's there's less of a culture of uh, you know dorky hipster crafts. Well, I mean, really, like nobody's. It seems like nobody owns homes anymore. So it's that like going to DIY stuff in your apartment than you're renting. It's it's hard to, you know. I'm, yeah, I'm but, fortunate thirty yeah. and own a home, but that's just me. I don't think that brewing's ever been more accessible though, because like with brewing a bag and stovetop and all that stuff, like it's as it's as accessible as it's ever been. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's it's not going to get more accessible. It's just that. Something's got else has got to be it. It's, it's it's like Brent was saying earlier. I mean, it's you, you can get the, an anchor system for four or five hundred dollars. Like it's a full five gallon system for, you know, pennies. Basically, what I've paid over in in the hobby. And I, I I've gone through like five different iterations of systems. Um, yeah, I'm oh, yeah. sure it's a number of little things. Can you imagine that that compared to the cost of a three vessel fly sparge system with <laughs> pumps well, and all sorts of shit? That's how I started. <laughs> and, and I know you were like talking about like Brazil and stuff and not being able to get into them, but let's face it, if you're in an apartment, the footprint of a Brazilla is nothing compared right. to some of the other stuff out there. You right. know what I mean? Right. Well, if, it, if it weren't for a heat stick, I probably yeah, wouldn't still be brewing. Yeah. Electric definitely changed that. So, I mean, the only reason I'm still brewing is kegging and electric all ones. If it wasn't for those two things, I would have gotten the fuck out a long time ago. The only reason I'm still brewing is because of Will Level, and that's it. <laughs> well, one like person that really right now. <laughs> if I feel like a real pompous ass, I'll introduce myself as a world famous home brewer to people. It's hilarious. <laughs> world famous home brewer. If world famous, like yeah, it's kind of like being the world's tallest midget, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Smartest guy at McDonald's. That's a good yeah. one. No, I just brew so that I can post something onto beer porn and, and uh, try to impress you guys. Uh, yes, but then, I, but then I'm not good at pictures, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I I found my ideal spot. I don't know if you've all noticed. All of my my beer porn pictures are in the, in the back in my lanai, where the light like, it shines <laughs> at the perfect angle. Right, right at like four or five o'clock, right when I'm having a, my first beer. <laughs> it's the backyard, the nice backyard, out of focus, and, and the, the light shines through my beer. It's, it's perfect. It looks great. I, I just gotta find my spot. Yeah, you gotta find that spot. Lighting is so important for those. That, that lighting is really important. You gotta get the right angle. Well, I'm just jealous because you 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 posted up your all beer, Frank, and here I am just like now kegging the Sison. So. The off beer is, is pretty good. All the my namesake beer. Can't wait to hear read about that one. Uh-huh. Dude, is it, it um is it pale? I got down to like one for my gravity, like 1.01. 1. Oh jeez. It that that uh <laughs> that um I, I use Napoleon and it it fermented out like a mother. I, I so, uh, how how Cologne did in mine. <laughs> Did the uh, other Will finish his keg of uh, of spruce tip saison or no? Oh, I had to I had to dump it. <laughs> oh no! I had to dump it. I I I I tried to give. I gave it weeks. It just it just got more weird. <laughs> it was uh it was like a mix of Christmas and 
like green vegetables and <laughs> like uh, Belgian phenols. It was just weird. Uh, God, I would have thought I that would have worked. Been okay, yeah. That sounds you like you couldn't quite harness your inner Steve Thanos, could you? Well, what? Your inner Steve Thanos, you couldn't quite get there. Yeah, I tried. That's the that's the craziest thing I think I've tried, but. Um, yeah, it did, I don't know. It just it felt like the base beer would have been good, but there was something about the that spruce tip flavor that just like completely threw it off. It's always the saddest when you're when you know it could have been a good beer, but something screwed it up. I mean, it might not have been, but yeah. I, mean. <laughs> I find some people just have a knack for those kinds of things, like. They, they just kind of like it just works out and you don't even really know what they did different than what you would do but it just kind of works out for those people like like i'm fairly adventurous but like sometimes we get questions asked about i think some i don't know maybe it's a podcast i just recorded something coming up about like mixed firm you're like i don't do a ton of mixed firm sorry have fun <laughs> yeah sorry you yeah, had me answer your question because i'm the dumbest person to answer it you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on, wait a couple months. <laughs> yeah, I, I got the only other time I bucket. did something. I was going to say, I think the only time I did something crazy was uh, the first time I tried some other ingredients. I did a smoked beer. I did a smoked dark lager with ancho chilies. I thought it was going <laughs> to be. I thought it was going to be fantastic. It was disgusting. I oh, no. told you that. Worst beer I've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made a smoked stout. was pretty good. I smoked the uh, Maris Otter myself. It was really good. Oh. Right. So, I, how, how much Maris Otter could you fit in like one paper as you were rolling? And like, how long did it take to light? Mm, mm, good question. Good question. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I still so got it was, a, oh. it was a couple years ago that I actually did try a smoked Hefeweizen. I had one from a local brewery that was just. It was incredible. It was such. It was. It was weird, but it was such an incredible beer that uh, I figured I'd try it myself. And I did like fifty percent oak smoke wheat malt, and then fifty percent pilsner. And my God, was that an ashtray? That was just the. It was mm. the most awful beer I've ever brewed. Mm. Uh, and that was that had to be the worst. I think that that one didn't even get carved. That just got dumped right away. I could still get a oh, send you my. Yeah. I I couldn't it it the whole basement reeked when you opened that like took a sample from it oh it was too much I, weed I too much smoke carbonated it jeez Ivan give smoke a yeah. chance I I can't do it that ruined me you send me a good smoke beer I'll drink it I I, I smoke it yourself the, the 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 malt when you smoke it yourself it, it's different than like the like harsh stuff you get in the store. I don't know so why. I, 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 I guess. The only I recommend is Fireman. Fireman's the only one I actually recommend. Mm. Oh, I haven't used it. Someone explain to me why uh, they're pronounced Wireman when they're, you know, German. Fireman? I even hear German do, do guys I, say Do I need Wireman. to get my German, my German exchange student here to explain that to you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I had one guy say, well, maybe it's from, uh, maybe it's an old Bavarian word, and Bavarians no. have a W as well as the V sound. You, you, you pronounce a W with a V. Yeah, but 
but but I've heard German guys say a wireman. <laughs> well, they say it um, differently. So you say fireman with a hard V. Yeah, and they and, and then other Americans say wireman, and the way the Germans say it is somewhere in between, where it's like wireman. Okay, and, and it sounds kind of like a W and a V had a love child. All right, you're gonna have you're gonna have to make me do this now. Get my exchange dude on the line. Yeah, because I, I don't get why it doesn't sound like a V when I've heard it, but maybe they're trying to speak to Americans when they say it. Well, they they know we won't understand. Um, so what's funny is like uh, West the lettering, West C12, yeah. like the V is an F sound there. So it's actually, it's in West Flanders and yeah. it's West Flandern because it's in West sense. Flanders. And so it's really funny when you hear people say West the lettering, you mean West London? And they're like, no, it's West Lutter. And then they correct you. And you're like, but I've been corrected by Dutch people. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm really, speaking of Westy 12, I'm really pumped. I just, I was talking to Eric Hagen earlier today on Discord. And uh, we're going to trade a bottle of Bourbon County 2017 for a bottle of Westy 12 straight up. So that's, I'm super pumped. I get to try it. That's a steal of a deal. Oh shit! I, his buddy paid two hundred bucks for a six pack to get uh-huh. shipped over from Belgium to wow. South Dakota, and he's gonna send me one bottle. And I'll, I got, I have a bottle of seventeen that I've, I've tried plenty of times that I'll send them right back because they're, that's the one that they need to complete their vertical. So both of us get a little bit of a, a deal. Uh, I think he's getting screwed, but whatever. No, I won't he, tell him that. <laughs> I'll I'll throw more in there to sweeten the pot. I won't. Uh, I don't want to screw them. Um, but no, when I lived in uh, Germany, I I had to like figure out how to do it because it used to. I don't know how you do it anymore. You would call the beer line at the Abbey, and you could only call during like the certain times. So you have to go on the website and it says call on like this random Tuesday between nine in the morning and eleven o'clock to make a reservation. And so nine in the morning would hit. And you're like calling this number and you say, cool, when do I, I want to reserve two cases of, of West C12. They're like, all right, well, you have to come on this other random Thursday between like one and three to pick it up. And I remember like getting there early, going across the little cafe, having a beer, eating a sandwich, uh, and then took my car over and you just pull up and they have like these crates just sitting out there, like stacked on top of each other. And it's little wooden crates with like the bottles hanging out the top. They say Trappist West Fondren on the side. And uh, the guy's like, read your license plate number because you had to reserve it with that. And he puts two cases in the back of your, your car. And you go up to his window and you pay at this window. And it's like 90 something euro for 48 West C12s. And you feel like you've robbed a bank. Wow. Good God. And I, I did that three or four times when I lived there because I'm just like, why the hell wouldn't I? I'm, I'm never going to get to do this again. Yeah, for sure. Is it Westy 12 is a super rare one, right? Or is it Westy 10? 12. Um, they don't have a 10. So they have a they have an 8 and a 12, and they have like a, a blonde. And they might have something else now, but. Um, the blonde would be the rare one. Uh, no, because that's their, I mean, it's, it's less popular. So yeah. it is a little rare because it's not as popular. Okay, but they, sure. you can only get all of it at the Abbey or the Abbey um, Cafe. Uh, but Rochefort has a 10, and that's their Dark Strong. 
That's what I'm thinking and, of. And Rochefort 10 is also delicious. Um, in my opinion, they're both uh, world-class uh, examples. So. That's from Cantillon. Well, Cantillon's like a different thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I just I was, followed I, my talk, uh, talking about German. I, I went to, to, to Bruges a couple of years ago, so I was just thinking about that. That's why. Oh, uh, Bruges is gorgeous. Um, did you go yeah. to uh, Daguerre and have the Daguerre triple on tap? No, um, I went to uh, they, they call it their oldest brewery in the Bruges. Bruges is yeah, yeah, the yeah. Hobman. Mm-hmm. I went, did a tour, went, went all the way up from the top of the tower, the, the Maltzer, and they had like the well, cellars in the basement. That was a really cool tour. That, that tour was awesome. I had this little old lady who like kept telling bad jokes and they were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was like, if you see chocolate in beer, this is not Belgian. Belgian <laughs> will eat chocolate. They will drink beer, but they will not put their chocolate in beer. That's funny. <laughs> And if you see bananas in beer, this is also not Belgian. We do not grow any bananas in Belgium, much less put them in beer. <laughs> so she kept trash talking all the people putting random shit in Belgian beers. It was fantastic. And then he put a lime wedge in. Yep. There we go. <laughs> that was a really that was a really good beer, I thought. Uh Briggs was out. They had um their their dark strong is Strafa Hendrick, and that sucker is excellent. I love Strafa Hendrick. I'm trying to find pictures of the the, the cellar was really cool. Sorry, oh, I the know the cool ship was, was neat. The cool ship was on top of the tower. Oh, that was badass. And yeah. did you think that uh, Bruce's Oat had like a slight sourness to it? A little bit. Because like, I always thought it had like a slight sourness, which like kind of made me think about like what beer would actually have tasted like. Because again, they had it up there in that damn cool ship, right? So. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, they had to, like, then they had the cool ship, and then they had that like cooler tower thing. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You know. So you just like, like of course you had to have like had something. Yeah, you know, had a little bit of a culture in there, like maybe not a learned brewer, but a cultured brewer or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh. It's a big dream for us to my my wife and I to get over to we have friends in Germany, so I want to like right in downtown Munich. So I'm like, that would be a dream to go to Hofbrauhaus and do all that shit and then try to get around to get to to check, get some Pilsner or Cal or something and, and Belgium for sure. But that'd be awesome. That's uh that's a few years away, I think. <laughs> now, I, I do you lucky. Get, how old's your kid? Two and a half. They're they're not in fucking school. Take them. Shit, I took I took a fucking one year old to the Bruges Beer Fest. I took her to like Oktoberfest. Take that. Like it's different. Kid like, on a plane. They're really early in the day, and and you're drinking at ten in the morning with a kid in a beer tent. But like still, you can totally fucking do it. Hey, I'm sure my I wife mean, would love me after that. I mean, you could do it, but should you? Should maybe I should just go alone. That would be or all oh, hey, I don't. Trevor mentioned a brew club trip over to, to Europe. That would be deadly. Bad I just want to say, this drunk-ass American got kicked off of shooting games because even though I was drunk as hell, I could still win all the fucking little stuffed animals for my kid because I'm American and I know how to shoot guns drunk. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, what the fuck's the point? 
Exactly. Are you even American? Probably not. I sent a bunch of stuff in the in the chat from. I'm not even sure what I'm looking at there. Yeah, what's that gold? Like the gold bars? That that's a cooler. Uh, really? Beer cooler. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. it's like a water. It's a waterfall cooler. Oh, cool. So, so that what they would do is they have these tubes full of water, and then the beer would just run down it and cool it oh. off. Huh. And then the the last one is that that's that was their uh, cool ship on the top of the tower. Oh, nice. Wow. But I mean, that's how they used to do it. Though. They'd pump all their beer up there, and then they let it sit, and then they let it cool, because that's where they could cool it down. Yeah, that looks like a and... picture you could have taken 50 years ago. I know, right? I don't think they do it anymore. But like, definitely when you when you try Briggs's Oat, there, just normal blonde, it has like this slight tartness to it that it's, like it's makes you very, think it's they're... very light. But but I've been shooting for that in all of my Belgians. Maybe that's why I don't get high scores in Belgians. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what I want. It's it's what it is. Yeah. I, uh, Matt, oh, God. I say this a lot, but I think a lot of American versions of Belgians are caricatures. And I don't think most Americans, especially judges at competitions, really know what, like, good Belgian beer from Belgium is. Okay, that's that's that. what uh, Matthew from Mean Brew says all the time, is that when you're making an award-winning Belgian uh, to compete, uh, here in America, it needs to be a flanderized version. Pun not intended. <laughs> yeah, and like, by God, who can make better Belgians than Americans? <laughs> so, I mean, come on. So, so um, one, one of the cool ship that that's their, that was the fermenters, and then the one under that was their um, the lagering tanks. Mm. And the the last one is is the coils inside the fermenters. It was all cool. Oh. oh. So I've seen, I've seen the uh, the vertical right now, or, uh, not vertical, horizontal lagering tanks. What what's the benefit? Is that just surface area? Like yeah. what what's going on there? Um, uh, if, if you if you ever go to a Budweiser tour, they have this exact same type of tanks, just a lot bigger. But I think oh. the idea is that you have more area to like for the yeast to settle. I think. If you're going to beer shot tour, so beer shot, one of the epic lager makers in uh, Denver does the same shit. So, yeah. Gotcha. So it's basically just surface area for yeast settling and contact and stuff. Wasn't that? I think it's also seems- traditional. It like simulates an actual barrel that they would have done this with. Okay. So it's just replicating the old school. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, if you're that traditional, you're the- going to go all the fuck out. Yeah, I think Cezanne Dupont uh, bottle conditions all their Cezanne on the side too horizontally. Interesting. Which hmm. I'd I'd be curious to see a uh, an experiment on that. Uh, to Mister Brulosky contributors is a bottle Go condition ahead, upright. Right, we have versus... the Brewcom experiment series to test such shit like that out for people that mm-hmm. want to go off and buy corkers I, and bullshit. I, I still I still totally want to do a. Um experiment with uh seltzer doing the a bell saison and a and a um Quebec. yeah it sounds, it sounds like you could win a, a delta firm tank <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i gotta i gotta i gotta empty my kegerator first i just I, I brewed like 
uh, three beers in like two weekends, and I just kicked the keg just to make space for the third <laughs> beer. Now I have I have zero space now. Well, if we do um, a philosophy experiment of the bell saison, you got to put a keg on its side or uh, upright. Yeah. Right. Hey, there we go. I think it would be cool to do a um if you're gonna do like a hard seltzer experiment to do like yeast nutrient, like one with yeast nutrient, one without. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, th- I mean, I think the saison. I, I really don't. I I'd like to do like bell saison and 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 Kavake. I'll do that. And then I'm, I'm just telling you, like velocity experiments are uh, ridiculous in the fact that you have to do really strange shit that you don't want to do. Yeah, that's uh, why I'm not a contributor. So this, is a, this is a brew club too. He can do a, a yeast experiment as well when normally you yeah. can't. That's true. Come on, at least, at least use Imperial. We got to pimp those guys out pretty hard. I'll, I'll use Imperial if they offer. No, I. That's not a bad idea. Um, I, I'll use one of their saison strains or something. It might be interesting to do like um, uh, like I don't know, it's Bell saison. I'm guessing it's French. I'm guessing um. Oh shit, where's my other ball up connectors? Uh, I'm guessing Bell Saison's French, and maybe you could do like Napoleon. I mean, well, I, Bell, Bell Saison's yeah. French. It, they speak French in, in Belgium. I think, I, know, I, know. I think it's the Napoleon strain, though. Is it? So the Napoleon yeah. strain, though, is the French side of Belgium. And guess what? Napoleon conquered all that shit. So, well, Napoleon went well, then... <laughs> to Russia and then came back. But yeah. That's why it's a French imperial stout. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I do it if, if it would help with getting on the website. Again, yeah. I'm, and I'm just I, I interested. Have to wait a few months. I'm just just interested in the idea of a, a saison and used in something like a seltzer because even if it doesn't make esters, maybe that glycerin would do something interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm curious too. And now I have the same the same fermenting vessel, so it, it'll make it better. Yeah. Right? <laughs> there you go. Is that how that works? Even though, it, despite the other uh, experiments saying otherwise, <laughs> well, that he'll get less shit for it anyways. Oh yeah. mother! <laughs> I mean, I want to brew in a bathtub and all that, but I guess readers wouldn't like that. I do just viewers. That. that looked nasty. Yeah. <laughs> now that you guys mentioned that, I never finished that video. I gotta go and check that. I gotta watch that. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole concept is really weird, but... What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it, except it's nasty. I don't think I could ever... I would clean my bathtub for, like, seven <laughs> days straight, and I don't think I could ever... Unless he, like, <laughs> unless he bought the bathtub brand new and never used it, I would not do that. I don't no think I could go to Home Depot and buy a bathtub and still feel like it was clean enough. To <laughs> <laughs> There's well, no it's, way. It's a shame that uh, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, Dude, that's freaking. Uh, I, I I loved hearing Martin tell the story about that though, didn't you, Alex? Like on uh, the the chat. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, the fact I, that he served his fucking dad was the best part of it. Yeah, yeah I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> All, all I had to show for doing that was getting my deposit revoked in an apartment because the bathtub kind of corroded. <laughs> you you literally put it in the bathtub just like Martin. Yeah. 
Uh. Oh, I thought I thought you put your fermenter in the bag. Oh, that's what I thought you were talking about. Oh, no, no, I, like I, two I, years now. No, I, I I tried making like probably like twelve or so batches in a bathtub. Uh, yeah. Wow. Did, did any of them ever like mold or sour on you? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Anyways. Wow, that's that's a, some pretty bold stuff. Yeah, I know. For, for whatever reason at the time, it didn't seem like a stupid idea if that was also like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'll be replicating that one anytime soon. It was like, well, I cleaned it with soap, so that should be good. <laughs> good enough for rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, All right, that... Jen, so I'm going to split out on you guys. Yeah, if yeah. it's nine, I better go too. Oh, right, good, Frank, good, yeah, thank good talk. you. It was awesome. No, no problem. Yeah, I'm stuff, glad man. I was able to finish this presentation. I'm glad everyone liked it. Yeah, I hope you don't mind if I might shoot you some questions about uh, making something. Oh, please, please do. Awesome. Yes, send us those slides and we'll get them posted with the recording. Uh, I'll make David work extra hard to do that. <laughs> it was David, Trevor, and you? Oh, uh, yeah, any one of us. At, so at, it, we'll... at, is it the Brew Club or is it Brew Club? Uh, the Brew Club. The yeah, okay. send it right over and we'll get it taken care of or discord or whatever yeah however you can send it really whatever's most convenient um i think discord is it's too big a file because i have a lot of pictures oh uh, yeah. yeah send it via email and we'll we'll figure it out yep, yep. all right see you guys awesome have a good night guys peace out guys